0: This is Bob Sartino from Italian Roots and Genealogy, and I'm here today with Bob Semenza, who's been researching his family and also uh, has written a book, a couple of books, actually, uh, but one mm-hmm. specific one about his growing up as an Italian-American. So welcome, Bob. Thanks for being here.
1: Okay. It's a pleasure to be with you. i really uh, looking forward to this.
0: Great, great. Uh, so I want to start with your Italian families and your research. So uh, were both your parents Italian?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. My uh, father was born here, but my mother was born in Italy in Calitri. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he, where is, where is that? Up, uh, that's, that's over in Avellino, over, you know, uh, near Naples and all. Both, both my families are from that area. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, she,
1: uh, she came over when she was about six years old. So. And what, what year was that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You got me in the early 1900s sometime.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah and, uh, you know, my dad's family is from Naples and mm-hmm. um, my going back several hundred years, my ninth great grandfather was the Prince of
1: Avellino. Ah, oh, really? OK. Yeah, I think I heard that in some of your prior uh, podcasts yeah, that I've been listening yeah. to. That's um, interesting. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, and and both both my families came. Um, my my both my parents were born here, but both my families came over around the same time, about
1: 1915. Hmm. Okay. Um yeah, so, well, my my grand my grandfather came over in uh, 1888 around there before uh, he actually landed at Castle Gardens, I guess, before they started Ellis Island. So, but I'll get into that.
0: Uh, oh, that's really neat. Yeah, I haven't talked yeah. to anybody who's who's. Come through Castle Gardens. That's a long time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, with that, do you know why they came to America?
1: Uh, I can only guess it was poverty. I mean, they were, you know, uneducated and uh, things were rough over there, as you know, during those years and all. when there were, you know, many, many Italians that came over during that period. So, I mean, I... I unfortunately know nothing about their life over there, and I'll, I'll get into that and my frustrations with trying to trace my family history back.
0: Uh, yeah, so why don't we do that? Why don't we start with your, your uh, paternal family and, you know, okay. where they come from and what you found out about them.
1: All right. Uh, I really started to get into this because I always doubted our family name. I never thought our name was really Cemenza, Semenza, S-E-M-E-N-Z-A. You know, I met a lot of Semenzes over the years, but they were never related to me. So I really wanted to go back and find out more about my family history. But first of all, I had to get the name right. So Uh, and I also planned to go over to Italy to visit uh, some of the places where my descendants were from. So I felt I had to learn Italian. So, you know, a number of years ago, I took a number of adult education courses, took a lot of online Uh, AIDS and all, read a lot of books and all, and tried to learn Italian, which I still have not been very successful at. Uh, But anyway, I, uh, you know, I knew very little about my family, you know, about all I knew was my father would say they were from Avellino. you know, but Avellino is a big place, you know, we're we're in Avellino? you know, he never mentioned the town where they're from. Uh, You know, I knew that he was, he always said he was born in Little Italy, Uh, which I couldn't quite understand because I knew he was raised in Tuckahoe, New York, in Westchester. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the only other thing I had to go on was uh, I wanted a family picnics. I had gotten one of my aunts, I believe, to write down a rudimentary family tree. And she did it on, on the side of one of these big, you know, these brown, Grocery bags that she used to get in the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if you go if you go to Arthur Avenue now, they still have those bags, and they still in some of the stores. They'll write down everything you want, and they'll add it all, all up in their heads. You know, yes. so so I had that old bag, you know, and, and I had a couple of handwritten notes, and you know, you know that that was about it, you know, and. Uh, uh, you know, my father said, said he was born a Little Italy, and he always mentioned the Ferrara family, you know, the famous bakery there on Mulberry Street. And yes. My mother, my mother, he would say that they would cater their wedding and they were friendly with the family. But, uh, you know, we also knew that they met on a trolley. You know, my father was a conductor on the trolleys that used to run back and forth between uh, where I was born in New Rochelle and Mount Vernon. And we know they met on a trolley. Uh, he was went into the first world war, but uh the night before his unit was shipped out he he sneaked off the base uh he was at sports locum in, in uh near Glen Island near Rochelle you know very close to home he sneaked off the base to go on a date with my mom and went AWOL. so <laughs> when he got back, he was thrown in the brig and his his unit shipped out and that was that so uh so that, that was about all we knew, you know, so I decided, well, let me start, you know, trying to find out more about the family, figure out what the name was. So I had this brown paper bag, you know, that was about it. But it also had some notes. And on the notes I had listed, some were in my handwriting, some were in my other family members' handwriting. But there was a town list that San Paulino or something like that, and Tufo. You know, so I went online, and sure enough, there's a Santa Paolino in, in Avellino, the province of Avellino, and there's also a Tufu. So I started to research family names in in uh, Santa Paolino, and I found that, yeah, there were cemenzas there. In fact, there was a via cemenza, mm. you know, which was pretty pretty interesting, but I also found there were a lot of cementas, S-E-M-E-N-T-A, okay, And then I looked at Tufo and some of the other surrounding towns, and there were a lot of cementers, T.A. rather than Z.A. And I figured, oh, wow, you know, I might have uh, I might have something here, you know. So uh, so I kind of put that aside. And, you know, I I was busy. I have I've had a number of careers. You know, I was a uh, partner with a international accounting firm in New York City, KPMG, and then I retired early. I was a professor at Quinnipiac University for about seventeen years. So, and uh, the other thing was, uh, my wife Marie had Parkinson's disease. Uh, so, she suffered with that for about twenty-five years. So, I had a lot on my plate, you know. And uh, but anyway, I got back into this a couple of years ago, and my granddaughter Megan Welch uh, agreed to help me. So, we started to go online to try and see if we can find out more about the family. She joined uh, Ancestry.com. And then the first thing we found out was, yeah, they, they did live in Tuckahoe. And uh, they lived in, a, a, a I guess, a tenement. It's no longer there. I've tried to find it. But in 1905, and this is interesting, we found my grandfather living in Tuckahoe with his wife, eight children, his mother, we think, might be his mother-in-law. His brother Louis, Luigi, and there was—I mentioned these handwritten notes. There was a mm-hmm. Luigi mentioned, so it was his brother. There was a brother Louis, and then there were fourteen boarders listed as laborers. Yeah, you know, we—we have no idea what what that was all about. And also listed on that uh, on the census was a, a three-year-old young girl named Rosie and that was really interesting and then so I went back to the brown paper bag and sure enough there was a rose on there and it sort of had been you know squeezed in between sort of as an afterthought and I asked family members who's Rose and you know we had we had an Aunt Rosie you know who was uh, we knew her but no one knew anything about this rose so uh, that was kind of interesting and then my Granddaughter Megan kept digging into it, and was sitting there one day, and she suddenly looked at me, and she says, I don't know if I should tell you this. And I said, well, you know, what is it? She found Rose, okay, on a 1910 uh, census taken at the Rome State Custodial Asylum in Anita, New York, which which really struck me hard when I heard that, you know. Uh, She was eight years old. I still get emotional talking I about it. I can tell, yeah. And then she, uh, she uh, later on, we found that she passed away. And, uh, I've never taken it beyond that because it, it's kind of too hard to take that. You know, I had a little Ann here who was in a asylum. You know, what was that all about? You know, I know times were a lot different then, but, uh, but that, that was that was kind of hard to take. You know, in doing this research, you find out a lot, but you also find out things that <laughs> you really hope you never knew about them, you yeah. know, so. So anyway, uh, so we went on. That was kind of interesting, you know. And then uh, she found out something that really shocked me. She found out my father, at the age of ten, okay, was put into a uh, a reform school. I guess the New York Catholic Protectory in New York City. I don't know if you know anything about no. that, that place. No, no, never well, heard of we've, that. Well, yo, yeah, we've done a lot of research on it. It was in the Bronx. Uh, it was very, very. Everything I read about it w- was very favorable. So it looked like it really was a wonderful place. But, you know, he was there and he spent, as far as we could tell, five years there, which is really sad. Wow. Uh, he uh, And the first year he was there, over that first Christmas, he was put into a hospital with tuberculosis, you know, never knew anything about this. Now, that's kind of interesting. Now I know you're involved in a tenant museum in New York city and you know that TB and tenements was pretty mm-hmm. common and that yeah. was the major, one of the major afflictions and all. So that, that was also kind of sad, but uh, it looked like he went on to spend about five years in that protectory. And he, uh, he was, he went home, I think on one occasion and then came back Uh Another uh, couple of other family members, uh, a Len and Jennifer Pajali also were doing research and they found out a lot about this institution. They also were able to find his, his uh, what do they call it, they, a card that they make out when they're an input card or something, you know, of their record while they're in the protectory and all. And he had very few visitors during that period, which is kind of sad. And she also found out something really interesting. Three of his brothers were also there for a brief time for petty larceny. Wow. So, you know, you just wonder, what was the environment like, you know, in, in that? It's just, we should say, we also found out that one of his sisters, his oldest sister, Michalina, we think her name was, she ran away uh, when she was 14 years old and married a so-called older man. Uh, and and that uh, aunt wound up in Brooklyn, which is another story I'll get into briefly. So, so that's where we kind of stood on that. And uh, I guess the I uh, kind of put that aside for a while, and then uh, you know my my uh, Len, Len and Jennifer kept researching, and I kept researching it, and then we we found out uh, that there was another relative that we found out in Brooklyn, actually out in Far Rockaway. Uh, And I always knew that we had relatives out in Brooklyn or Far Rockaway. I remember as a young boy going out, there was a bar we used to go to. And I I remember eating pretzels. That was about it. But uh, we did have relatives. So we found someone named Augustino or Augustini. Uh, Anyway, I went back to my handwritten notes, and it was an Augustini on that note right next to Luigi. Mm. So that had to be my my uncle, you know, my my grandfather's other brother at uh, all. So that was interesting. Uh, and, and Michalina wound up living out in Brooklyn someplace in Canarsie, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we were, I never knew her. She must have died, you know, before I was born. But she had uh, a daughter who we knew quite well. She used to come to New Rochelle a lot. And I don't know why I've asked, never asked her about, uh, you know, the family background and all. Now that, that's something, you know, I really learned from this and I tell people, look, ask questions while these people are alive. Cause yeah, you, yeah. once they're gone, they're gone and write about it. Okay. Because, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts where people have found recordings of their descendants. And that was just mind blowing to be able to hear, you know, one of your descendants talk and, and to read about it so i always encourage people to write about it so the uh, i call it the brooklyn connection that remains quite a mystery okay so one day my brother mentions to me he oh, by the way i've got daddy's uh, birth certificate i go oh wow that's interesting <laughs> you know he knew i was doing this research and suddenly occurred to him he had the birth certificate i said boy i want to see that okay and uh, he gets the birth certificate, and he was baptized in a uh, a church out in far Rockaway, huh. you know. That's kind of true. Well, again, this this Brooklyn-Queens connection, you know. And, and we looked at it, and uh, it looked like it, it was in script, unfortunately. And it looked like the name was not Cemento, but it was either Cemento or Cementa on the hmm. birth certificate, Okay. But, uh, you know, as you know, the problem with these names, and I run into this all the time, is that you know, our, our descendants, they were illiterate. OK, so the only way that they would, you know, the names were written down. They couldn't write their names down. So they would have to say what their names were. And they spoke broken English. So we got all kinds of crazy spellings on these names. So it's pretty easy to see how these names got fouled up and all. So I actually tried to get in touch with that. I did get in touch with that church to, to set up an appointment for me and some of my family members to go back and look at the records to see if we could find, you know, more information on the name and also other family relatives. And they refused to grant me access. Really? That's I terrible. cannot believe that. They said it was confidential information. I said, I'm his son. That's my father. I can't look at that. No. I haven't pursued that, but I intend to go further to see if I can get access to those records because I think I think that would be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, to that point, yeah. I, you know, I contacted the church where um, when my mom and dad were married and asked them about the marriage certificate, and they said, "Sure, I just you know give us the dates and send us a check, and we'll send you a copy."
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I just don't understand that. That's you crazy. Know, so. I don't know. I was talking to one of the women. I think I'm going to try and get in touch with the pastor and say, "Look, you know, this is my father. This is my family. You know, I'm not just someone. You know, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so anyway, so so that went on, and suddenly, uh, uh, Jennifer Pachali she makes an absolutely amazing discovery. Uh, she she dug in this and she finds out she gets my grandfather's wedding certificate. Okay. And guess where he was living at the time? He was living on Mulberry Street in a mm-hmm. tenement. I mean, that just blew my mind, right up the street from Ferraris. So what my father had said all these years, that made sense. Okay, so so he was born in, in Little Italy, and the name on the uh, marriage certificate was Cementa, S-E-M-T-A. Okay? Ah, right. However, <laughs> when, when somebody signed it, his X was next to it. It looks like it might be cementi, so, <laughs> ti. So I don't know, but I, at the moment I'm going with cementa. You know, I, I, that's about, about all, all I could do. Uh, so I mean, that was kind of it. You mentioned the blog, and, and what I did was the other amazing thing about me about this whole thing is, I mean, my father was the most calm loving sweet person you could ever imagine and never did we have a hint that he had a background like that and also my uncles uh you know wonderful people when I told the family about this they they couldn't believe it they just cannot believe it and uh you know but so so that kind of you know uh, it's a dichotomy I can't figure out uh, the only thing I could figure out is, you know, because I know that, that he met my mom in the trolley and she was a pretty, she was a tough woman, my mother, but she is a very loving, caring woman and all. And I, the only thing I think of is somewhere along the line, she must've said to him, look, if you want to get married, you're going to have to straighten out and go to the straight and narrow. That's the only thing I could figure that it was her influence that turned his whole life around. Uh she she worked in a dress factory. Right, I'll, I'll get into that. She worked right right across the street from the uh, where we lived in show and also, I mean that's about the only thing that that I can figure out. But you know, I mentioned you mentioned the blog that I have it. I did a story which got very well received about my father, called The Life Apart," and it was the, the economy about the economy between the man that that I knew, the father I knew, and and the troubled you know. Childhood that he had. He also, you know, I was always amazed he could do anything. He was he used to cut our hair. Unfortunately, you know, he was a tailor. He's a butcher. He had a butcher shop. You know, he did a million things. Did you learn all this stuff? You know, and he and then I went back and looked at the the protector I was in, and they had to to learn all these trades and all. So, oh, right, that's where he must have learned it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it
1: makes sense. Why didn't he ever tell us? You know, what I mean. He told no one knew about this. I had a large family, you know. Everyone says, How could, "Why didn't anybody know about this? Why didn't anybody know about Rosie?" You know. So I don't know. it's strange. See, I, that's well, you really know, funny.
0: you know, I, I talked to a lot of people, on, and a lot of people say the same thing. You know, that that generation, you know, they didn't really talk a lot about it, especially from Italy. I, I mean, my I was more close to my my mom's family than my dad's, but my grandmother never talked about Italy and me stupidly never thought to ask, you know, uh, but I even asked my cousins who live with my, my new, older that lived or knew my dad's parents very well. Um, and they never talked about Italy either.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Italian roots and genealogy is proudly sponsored by your Dolce Vita and Don Matera connecting people to their purpose in life and continuing their legacy. For more information, contact Dawn at www.yourdolcevita.com.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I know my, my mother's, uh, my mother, my, uh, my wife's parents were, were both from Italy, Luigi and Pasqualina. Uh, they were from, uh, Benefrio. Okay. And, uh, you know, my mother-in-law never spoke English. We got along great because we never <laughs> could speak to each other. <laughs> Marie would say, "Yeah, but you should know what she's saying about you." You know, so, uh, anyway. But Luigi knew some English and all. But anytime I mentioned Italy, they, suppose they had property over there, and I said, "Well, why don't we go back and look at the property?" No, no, America, America. They wanted no part of Italy. You know? So life must have been tough over there. And they, I guess, they just want to talk about their their upbringing and all that. You know.
0: Uh, so. yeah, I, I mean, I know my uncle, uh, that actually, that was my, that was my cousin who, who taped my uncle and they lived in body until 1949 and yeah. he wanted to make a trip back, not to stay. He just wanted to go visit. at my aunt, yeah. no part of going back, you know, they didn't have a, they, they didn't have plumbing or any of that kind of stuff Exactly. in, in, in 1949. You, they didn't have it. Wow.
1: Have you been back now? Have you been back I've, today?
0: I've been back, um, we were there twenty five years ago. We were supposed to go last year, and of course we couldn't yeah, go. Yeah, obviously. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: I was still hoping maybe we could get there this year. I don't know. That's not looking great. Um, yeah. But when I went back, I didn't. I wasn't researching at the time, and and I had no idea uh, that when we were in Naples, that um, my grandmother's family actually both my father's uh, parents lived a half a mile from the train station in Naples.
1: And I had no really? idea we could Is we could walk right?
0: there. We could walk there. It was that close. Wow! Uh, now, have you been back? Have you been back to any of the towns? I've
1: been I've been to Italy many many times. Oh great! I see a lot over in Italy. I've spent a lot of time in Italy, and uh, but never never went to Avellino. You know, and uh, we were there the first time I took my wife to Italy. We went to Amalfi, which we loved. Yeah, and uh, you're familiar with the Amalfi Coast. Uh, we yeah, have we stayed in Sorrento. Place in yeah. The world to react. And uh, I made a mistake of renting a car, and you know those crazy roads and all. And she start, I started driving up the Sorrento from Amalfi, and she started crying and all. <laughs> so I had to turn the car, and so there was no way we were going to drive to the mountains of Avellino or uh, you know Bas. So, but I do, I do intend—I don't know when though—to hopefully go back. You know, I do spend have spent a lot of time in Italy, and. Some of the family members are interested in going back. And now that we got a better handle on the name, you know, maybe we'll do it. I don't know. It's down the road. So, uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we had a whole trip planned with, uh, her name's La- Letizia Sinisi. She runs uh, Italy Rooting. And what she does is she actually uh, gives you, you know, a made for you genealogy tour, if you will. Really? So, yeah. we, we were going to go to uh, the, uh, my third great-grandparents were the Duke and Duchess of uh, Capricota. And wow. <laughs> their palace, or their palazzo, was uh, is the town hall now. So they were going to take us there. We were going to go to Avellino. We were going to go to uh, Calabria, where there are still a couple of homes from the Piermallo family down there. And I was going going to have lunch with 20 cousins and all of this stuff. And I was just, I mean, I don't get crushed... Easily, but I just been so crushed about this whole trip that we were planning for a year, oh, and wow. a month before we go, everything's locked down. You know, but mm. uh, the the good part about it is since then, I've met so many great people in Italy that I never would have met if had I not been doing this. And, sure. this is great. And, you know, Gianluca in Calabria says when you come to Calabria, I'm going to take you to the Piemallo homes, and I met. Uh, uh, Francesco in Sicily, who, who told me, "I'm going to take you." My wife's uh, mother is from Shaka. I'm going to take you there, and we're going to show you this, and I'll, you know, do all these things. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise that this got postponed. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But I do want to ask you about growing up as an Italian American uh, in the, I guess, in the you know 40s and 50s, and uh, you know. Fascinating about the nicknames. I understand your nickname was Chesty. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to know about that.
1: I I still get called Chesty (laughs) by some of the uh, the ones who are still alive in the neighborhood. But but, uh, you know, I I had I had just an amazing childhood, and I always always wanted to write about it. But you know, I got so busy in the business world, and then when I I kind of went into semi-retirement, I called going from the business world on Wall Street to college professor. is was like semi-retirement. So, so I started writing the book, and it took me a long time to write it. And I was amazed at the memory, the memories I had and all. And uh, finally, in, in 2007, I published the book. But let me start. I was brought up in the West, okay? Up the West. West New Rochelle, New York. 45 minutes from Broadway. You know, George M. Cohen? Yes, McCullough, yes, yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. all about West New Rochelle, okay? It, it was a very unique neighborhood. It was a very small neighborhood, uh, mainly Italians. And uh, some people get offended by this, but we called them color people back in those days. You know, we didn't call them blacks or after They were color people. You know, and that's what they were. We had a lot of colors and you know Italians, but main, mainly Italians and all. And uh, so I always wanted to write about that and. Uh, it was it was a very unique neighborhood, and I'm sure you've heard this from a number of people. It was a very close knit neighborhood. We were surrounded by family and friends, and uh, you know, never a dull moment. But but I I, I thought it, it was just great. And I called the book the last best of all times because mm-hmm. that's what I think they were. I don't think we'll unfortunately ever have a period like that uh, again. You know and. Uh, and when I when I talk to people uh, about the book and all and and tell them you know I wanted to preserve the memories and, and people I talk about uh, will say well yeah you know that's great you know because we talk to our descendants our children and grandchildren about it and they have no idea you know what life was back and so I wanted to I wanted to preserve those those memories so that you know we have them you know continuing on. Uh, so, so that's, that's why I wanted to write the book to mainly preserve the memories and all. And, uh, you know, when I wrote it and I had a book signing at the boys club and you know, that was a big thing in our lives in West New Rochelle, which is very well attended. I've, i had another book sign. I was a self-published book. Uh, I've had a number of book signings and a couple of years ago, I, I went back to the St. Anthony's feast back in West New Rochelle. And that was was quite, that was really interesting and sold a lot of books. And, you know, so the book is, the book has been uh, where we'll see. But let me tell you a little bit about the book and all. We lived in a a two-family house, okay, 228 Union Avenue, all right? We lived in a house with my aunt and uncle, and it was my brother and I, my brother Chelly and I, and then our two cousins downstairs. But... Our brothers were, our fathers were brothers and our sisters and our mothers. I got that screwed up. Our mothers were sisters. Oh, wow. So two brothers married two sisters yeah. and we lived, we lived in, in one house. So we were like, we always called ourselves blood brothers because mm-hmm. we were more than just cousins. You know, yes. we really were a lot closer than that. In fact, a lot of people would always couldn't tell us apart, especially my cousin Ronnie and myself. And, you know, I'd walk down the street and I'd would say. Uh, are you Bobby or Ronnie? You know, I'm Bobby. Oh, is your mother the tall one or the short one? You know, so <laughs> that's what that's what they would say and all. But uh, so 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 we lived there, and it's interesting because my my mother's my mother's uh, family they were Cadellas. Uh, they came over and they actually bought property on Union Avenue. They had they had the house where we lived, and the next door they had a a, a grocery store. Uh, which I think they ran at one time, and there was a hall above it where which uh, they would have uh, festivities and all. But they lost that uh, the grocery store during the depression, I think. So we had the one house, but you know we lived in a top floor. My aunt and uncle lived in a bottom floor, but the bottom floor was bigger and whole than the top floor. But I think it was because my uncle who lived downstairs had emphysema, so he couldn't make the stairs. So I think that's why we lived in the top floor, but, but it, was, it was just wonderful. We had cousins all around the corner, you know, food was a big thing in our lives. I mean, we lived, we lived in a block between 2nd and 3rd Street. I mean, there were, there were two grocery stores. There was a chicken market across the street we used to go get live chickens. I mean, that's a book in itself. We had a fish market on the corner, Okay, we had uh, you know a tailor. Uh, we had everything. It was like our own little world right there. Pizzerias around the corner, three bakeries, three bakeries, right. yeah. and it was nothing like sitting on those those steps on a summer's evening and smelling the bread. Oh my god! And then going down and getting hot bread, right, loaded with butter, you know, or having my mom make uh, pizza fried or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. So I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but food was a was a big, big thing, you know, and Sundays were Sundays and, and holidays were just, just unbelievable. And that's why it was called chesty. <laughs> it was a lot of food to eat, you know. <laughs> and the the only thing the only thing I would not eat was fish. Okay. My mom, I don't wait, wait, but we on Fridays, as you know, you yeah. have to eat fish. Okay. So I would eat uh Macaroni with uh, regatta, you know, yeah. pot cheese, you know yeah. or peppers and eggs. And that, that was all I ate as a kid. Now, all I eat is fish. I mean, I love fish. I'll eat any kind of fish. You know, my mother's rolling over in a grave. She used say this and all. So, but uh, Sundays and holidays, I, I mean, uh, it's funny. Back in those days, we'd always, we'd always seem to have the big feast down in, down in Anchor, Aunt my, my aunt's uh, kitchen on the first floor. And my mother and my aunt, they they would they wouldn't even sit down. I mean, they were just there serving all the men. You know, I mean, that's right. Yes. I mean, people are going to say this, but that's the way it was in those days. You know, and and we would start at uh, you know lunchtime, and we'd never get off the table. I mean, right. we would just go from you know, lunch into God knows what into dinner. You know, just eat all day. You know, so so it's phenomenal. Yep. Thank yeah. You. I,
0: you know, I, I fry yep. eggplant now with the air conditioner going on and I'm thinking <laughs> of my aunts in the tiny little kitchen that the house was filled, the tiny little kitchen, frying eggplant when it's 90 degrees outside, like it's like, it's nothing, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. And, yeah, we don't have air conditioning, of course, no. no way, you
0: know?
1: <laughs> no. And my, my, you know, my mom,
0: my mom comes from a family of nine. Wow. So we would, you know, my, my grandmother's, Birthday was in the summer. Luckily, we'd, we'd be outside and everything. But to your point, I mean, there was there was endless food. And uh, I, I grew up in College Point, which wasn't really an Italian neighborhood, but my my mom's family was, and my dad's family, they were both from Corona. Uh, so to your point, you know, the bakeries and the, 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 the sausage places and everything was, you know. Uh, corona, right I mean, corona, yeah. And everybody, I mean, you know, in 1950s, 1960s, Everybody was Italian. I mean, the whole black. <laughs> you know, the That's old right. ladies with the, with the black dresses and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Per,
1: perennial. I call them perennial mourning for their uh, their husbands. Uh, you know, they were always always in black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I write about them. That's in the book, of course. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad's mom, she wore black. I never saw her in anything but black. My grandfather died when I was two months old in 1951 and my grandmother wore black till the day she died. My mom's mom wore black for three days. Then she was back to the print Vestalia and the Italian ladies were crazy over it. You know, our friends were like, how could you do it? And she said, ah, you know, what am I gonna do? You know, I'm comfortable or whatever. Uh, so, you know, two completely different, you know, personalities, but, uh, yeah, Yeah. we had the same meal. We would start, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter would start at, you know, one o'clock go at six o'clock till six o'clock, you know, till you had dessert.
1: There you go.
0: About a half hour later, my aunt would be asking us, you want a turkey sandwich? (laughs) 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 So let me ask you this. Let me me ask you, you had non-Italian friends, I'm sure. Did you have to try to keep tell them don't eat so wait, much wait, on wait, this wait, course? No, no,
1: no, no, I did not I did not have any non-Italian friends. Really? No. <laughs> I, I, I did not know what a Protestant was. I, did, I went to six years <laughs> of Catholic school. I don't think I met a Protestant until I was we our world you you were one you were what you were either Italian or American, okay? And the Americans were Medagons, you know. Yeah. And the only Medigans I knew were, you know, a few Jewish people or Few Irish people, but no, we. Didn't have, I didn't have any uh, non-Italian friends. All the colored color guys, you know, and they, uh, you know, I, I don't, so that that was it. So.
0: Yeah, well, we used to go to the beach, and we go to the yeah. beach with eggplant parmesan, sausage, and peppers, uh, <laughs> and you look at the, you know, the the. The Americans. Yeah, they had the tuna fish <laughs> and peanut
1: butter and jelly. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we had though. We we went to. We had two schools. We had St. Joseph, the Catholic school, which I went, of course, and Columbus School across the street. Okay, so sometimes we would go to Columbus School for some reason in a cafeteria. We didn't have a cafeteria in St. Joseph's. But they used to serve chip beef on toast and those American dishes. And what's this stuff, you know, so that was about my own exposure to non-Italian food, you know, <laughs> until later in life. Let me ask you, what about the Malachia? You know about the did you have the Malachia in your neighborhood?
0: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I read about that. That was, we had the, uh, when you were overlooked, you had to go to the Malachia lady for the cure, you know, and, uh, <laughs> It, it, it always worked, you know, home, home remedies, home remedies were a big thing in my family. OK, and I think that's I think that's the reason why I very seldom miss school, because I don't want to make believe I was sick because, you know, yeah, the was was the at, at school, you know, enemies <laughs> or somebody said this this thing looked like a weapon, a throat swab. You know, if you had a sore throat. Oh, my oh God, I never heard of that. You? No, I, didn't, I oh, missed that yeah. one. With odd you ever heard of your or if you were really bad, iodine. Really? Oh, man. That was, oh, home remedies were. Uh, so I would always. I mean, the,
0: the enemas, I know, because my, my, yeah, my aunt yeah. Dolly, she was the queen of the enemas. Anything that you had, <laughs> she, would, she was giving her an enema. Uh, and, you know, of course, when you were sick, you had to you know, pastina and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And Coca-Cola yeah. syrup was a big thing. We had a had yeah, see, that that was, and I'm a little bit later than you, so maybe that, that we, you know, we, we, we went <laughs> from we, iodine to Coca-Cola syrup.
1: <laughs> I never heard that. We had something called a amal, which I don't think you, nobody mentions to me. My father never really took care of the, the yard and all. It was, you know, weeds in the back. So they used to go in the back and, and get this weed or something and then boil it. You know, and it was just so soothing, so delicious. Amal, it must have been a dose, probably uh, marijuana or something. I don't know. <laughs> that, that that I really enjoyed. Amal was good, so the, offset the iodine. Though, the throat swabs, oh, they were nasty little instruments.
0: And you know, Brioski, of course, which I can't, I don't, oh see, yeah, I don't see Biosky. that anymore.
1: I stole. Oh, what I got it right there. In my <laughs> cabinet. Oh yeah. I can't find it. it. Brioski, oh, yo, yeah. of course. Oh, go to Arthur Avenue.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess that's where you have to go. You have to go to. Oh, back. no doubt about here. it. Yeah, I'm i to. Well, I used to be an outdoor every the time. So I'm going to go back there and I think next week because I think it's open again. But uh, this has been terrible. Uh, the, the other thing, the other thing in the neighborhood was street games, which I'm sure you had. I mean, yep. we, you know, we didn't you know, we were never inside, you know, we were outside from morning till night, you know, we, we were always unsupervised, you know, there was no little league or anything like that, you know, we did have the boys club league, the boys club was a big thing in our lives, and they had organized activities and all, but most of the games we made up were games we played in the street, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money, I thought we were rich, but, you know, we really didn't have a lot of money, so we'd play football with, you know, a milk, a milk carton filled with paper, and would play box ball and uh, yeah. so when you know in the business world I meet a lot of people and if they were especially if they were Italian I'd always talk to them about you know growing up and all and everyone was always the same I mean they all came from you know similar backgrounds they didn't have a lot of money but they were happy you know and and they they just loved their childhood and they always talked about their games that they played you know stick ball and all these games and all. But I never found anyone who played a unique game that I invented called spins. We had a closepin league because we our streets there were too many cars and all. So we used to we, we never played stick ball, we used to play cl- with clothespins in my backyard. And, uh, and you know I had a regular league you know I was a, I was a big <laughs> Brooklyn I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, which is another story because I was the only Brooklyn Dodger fan in Western Rochelle. And that was the golden age of baseball. You yes, know, you had the right Dodgers, right. the Giants, and Yanks. And I'd argue, then, because every year my team would lose, you know, and I'd <laughs> have to take all this abuse. But uh, so I love baseball. So I organized this league. It was back before you had the reserve clause and all that. So everybody had to sign contracts, they were spring training, they were tryouts. I still got the records. Uh, I kept the records wow, from from all the uh the, the pitching records, the hitting records. So so I never found anyone who ever played clothesman baseball. <laughs> so it's lucky we didn't get our eyes poked out, you know, <laughs> playing with the clothesbirds. <laughs> so we had a lot of clubs, you know, crusaders, cowboys and Indians. Uh, Movies were a big thing. We used to uh, I, don't I don't get the We used to sneak into the movies a lot. We had some unique ways of sneaking into different movies, which uh, you know, which which I, I write about and all. Basically, yeah, we we lived—we lived, as I found out later, in a sheltered life, you know. And you see everything that was going around us, but uh, you know, it was the last pest of all times in my mind, you know.
0: Uh, yes, no, I I, I agree. And um, yeah. for anybody who wants to, I'll put the link out there. But for anybody who wants to, uh, you know, find the website or or find the book, where would they go?
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon, so they can just go you can type in my name or type in "last best of all times." It's on Amazon. Uh, what what I did was uh, working with uh, mainly my grandson Robert Scala, who set up the website for me. You know, these young young people are amazing and all. But we 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 uh, got together with another cousin who's an Emmy Award winner, uh, producer and editor. He's won multiple Emmy awards and some other family members who have theatrical experience and and uh, been writing a screenplay. I mean, I've been doing most of the writing and they've been doing the criticizing uh, and the trying and get because I you know. I was, I wanted to do something like the Wonder Years. I don't know if you remember the Wonder Mm -hmm. Years. There's probably more, you know, we have the narrator who's looking back on his life. And uh, I just thought with all the diversity that's going on in the country now and and everything, you know, it'd be great to have a show which talks about those times and and talks about the family and all. So, so I spent a lot of time, you know, working on a screenplay and uh, you know, we've tried to make, uh, you know, we've, made efforts to try and pitch the show and talk to some people and all, but then, then the, the virus hit and all that sort of stopped, you know, but, uh, but so what, uh, what I decided to do is, because I, I, I love to write. I mean, with all this time I have now, you know, it's a good way for me to spend time. So what I decided to do was to, to write it as a novel, which is not easy to do. So, so I'm writing a novel now, and then hopefully down the road someplace, I hope to turn it into a screenplay and maybe get a break somewhere like jazz. Palmer <laughs> Murray got, you know, with the Bronx tale. And uh, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe and, get it as a series or something. I don't know.
0: It's a dream, yeah.
1: impossible dream I call it.
0: Yeah, no, I know I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm working on something myself and I know it's 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 hard, but uh yeah. one other thing that we have in common is as I know you you wrote a beautiful song about uh about your wife, I've oh, okay, I've, yeah, I've written two you. songs for for my wife. Really, not not quite as not quite as operatic as yours. Uh, one is <laughs> one is kind of a you know a, a rock ballad, and the other one is uh, she kept telling me because I was in a band that she kept telling me why you're always writing songs about boobs and beer. So. <laughs> the second now, song you, I wrote about you, movies and beer.
1: Can you send those to me? Or uh, you, uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'll you,
0: send them to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to listen to them. Oh, that 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 was quite a story. And uh, yeah, as I said, you know, my wife suffered many many years. And uh, uh, by the way, I, I, as I think I mentioned, I did write a book. I started keeping a diary uh, when she got she, she got sick and all. And I did it for a couple of reasons. I, I did it mainly to kind of just sit down at the end of the night and collect my thoughts and, and write down what happened and then try and plan, you know, what to do for the future and all. But but I still had a lot of copious notes. And so when I wrote the book about her, you know, it was, it was, I had a lot to go on. And, uh, and incidentally, I, uh, I was, I had a quote that was, I think I responded to something in the New York Times and it got published. And and I talked about kind of the positive side of caregiving, which is kind of you know how can caregiving be positive? But you know I pointed out the things you got to do to keep positive and to maintain your life and all that. And some some young journalists on the West Coast found this and and hunted me down. (laughs) She actually found me, got my phone number through a sailing club I belong to, and uh, she's writing a book on caregiving on the quote positive side of caregiving. Mm-hmm. So she's read my book, which she, she really loved and all. And she's, I'm working with her now on on the book. Uh, basically she's gonna include a section on the book uh, about me, but uh, but the song was interesting because my, my wife spent uh, a number of months in a, in a hospital and I didn't think she was gonna survive. So, you know, I wanted to let her know how, how I felt you know, that'd always be there for her. So the song was called cool, Near to You. And that's how I got to write the book. Again, I learned, I'm terribly musician. I've still got my keyboard. I'm terrible, but I love it, you know? So I learned a lot about music, composition. And uh, so that's I got there.
0: Yeah, well, so, I'm a horrible guitar player, but I, I, I had a good friend great, that helped you know? me. Uh, yeah, I have my, my good friend, Brian, we wrote songs together again, and I will come up with the idea and usually the lyrics and, uh, I would say, Brian. I think this should be a rockabilly song, and he'd say, "Okay." And the next day, he'd have the whole thing worked out with a lead and everything like that. So, yeah, I'll definitely send you some of yeah, that. Yeah, no,
1: definitely to want to hear that. Now, you're, you're living. Where you were living? Where in Jersey, someplace, right? So. I'm,
0: I'm in Bradley Beach, New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you're involved in the Tenami Museum, uh, I think, or in, I'm, in the city.
0: I'm. I've interviewed um, Dr. Shelsa, who's uh, the Um, I guess, the president or curator of the Italian American Museum. It was in an old bank.
1: Ah, okay, um, yeah.
0: And they've now, they're building a, you know, their own building. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. I did
1: go online and check that out, right, okay.
0: And it's supposed to be um, Columbus Day this year, it's supposed to reopen. That's really,
1: and yeah. No, I'm I, had, okay. I had an uncle. I had an uncle Columbus, by the way. The, the story, uh, he was, <laughs> Uncle Bumbo. You talk about characters, you know. But the story goes, he he was named Columbus because his father lost a bet. Had <laughs> a name of Columbus, <laughs> but he he was he was a character. Uncle Bumbo. He was something. Else. Well, maybe we can get together in the city someday, and uh, you know, when things settle down. I'm in a city. I used to be in the city a lot. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely, I bike
1: all over the city. I bike probably every neighborhood in New York City. I love to be there.
0: Oh yeah, no, sure, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm almost at the end of my two days, uh, two weeks. I mean, so. um, Okay, yeah, I'm um,
1: well beyond that. So that's uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough tracking it down here, here.
0: and and my wife is she's got her she got her second shot yesterday. So yeah, uh, so we're getting there. So well, this has been. Absolutely fascinating. A lot of fun. I can't tell you how much fun I had.
1: Oh, I have enjoyed it. I was apprehensive about this, but I really I really enjoyed it. Not no, I think top.
0: we I I think we could have done 4 hours on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, okay. Uh, but thanks again and uh I Okay, really well
1: thank you. It. I really appreciate it. Okay? All right. I take okay, care. buongiorno. Buongiorno, yeah. <laughs>